This week's episode of Meet the Brave is sponsored by Casey's Barbecue. Casey's Barbecue of Berkeley, California is proud to announce that they'll be back in full effect. Some of our local listeners know that Casey's was closed down after a kitchen fire destroyed over 75% of its old location. But with the help of the community that it's been serving for over 50 years, they're proud to announce that they'll be back. New location, new address is 1235 San Pablo Avenue in Berkeley, California. That's 1235 San Pablo Avenue in Berkeley, California. I myself used to work there and can honestly say the Davis family, Pat and Kristen, have done so much for me. And I'm grateful and glad to have witnessed such an historic moment. A lot of the community came out to support. Follow them on Instagram at Casey's Barbecue and look out for the announcement for the grand opening. May 1st. But for now, let's get into it. Shit's getting crazy. Brave Aryans, what's going on? Samani, we're back with another week of Meet the Brave, and damn if I'm not happy to be with y'all. Uh, some some people tapped in uh, after the episode last week, and you know, just just checking on me, and, and I think it was pretty apparent. I was going through a really rough phase, and uh, damn you, Mercury in your retrograde. Uh, I don't even know what that means, to be honest with you. I've heard people say it, and kind of subscribe to it because it seems to be right in line when feeling really shitty, you know, um, but luckily I'm able to address it, have some people I can depend on and sort of, you know, confide in and it's a safe space. I think that's something for all of us. We need a safe place, people that we trust to sort of get some real shit off our chest. So I would suggest you find you some homies and it all, it's not always going to be family. You know, it, it probably rarely is going to be family. Um, so find you some people you, you genuinely trust and you know you could go confide in and have a real, you know, a real nice place to leave some of your shit, but also be mindful and be that for them too. Don't just go dump, you know, and then they got your shit and theirs, you know, exchange. So y'all, you know, be their, you know, be their voice of reason or just be their ear so they can just express how they feel. And a lot of times when people get to talk. They can work out their own shit, but they don't have no they don't have anyone to verbalize these things to. So it just kinda just festers internally. Um I know for me, I'm fortunate enough to have people like that. So I just wanna say thank you to everyone that checked in and that last episode was extremely therapeutic, uh, with Dr. Tanya Judge. So thank you to her and everyone out at Tri Valley. But like I said, we're here. I'm feeling better, I'm feeling lighter, man. It's got got a lot of that shit off and just grateful to be here and then I'm really grateful um, when we talk about the show in this episode, because you, as you guys saw in the description, it's my man Kev Choice, um, a Bay a Bay Area living legend who is, you know, he's constantly adding to his resume of what he's contributed to the creative scene in the Bay um, and being from the town specifically. And you'll hear in his story, man, it, it it's only right because of who his counterparts were, who his peers were coming up, you know, and uh, I'm grateful to have him on the show. And I kind of touch on it in the beginning of our episode and me talking to him, but 
you know, it was different being in, the, being in his studio. We actually recorded that at his place. An awesome creative space, too. The studio is incredible. But uh, I wanted to really tell him about how it all happened for me. I moved, moved back from school, and I'm trying to really understand the landscape of how the scene works. Every city has a scene. Every area has a scene. And... I was sort of subscribing to what I was hearing and what I was seeing mainstream-wise as far as the Bay is concerned. And it kind of worried me because I knew I didn't fit in. I just knew it from the rip. I knew I didn't fit in with what was being, you know, highlighted in terms of what was happening on the mainstream from the Bay. Um, But as I got here, and like every other scene I've sort of been privy to sort of seeing, there is a real eclectic thriving sort of movement that was happening in the Bay right when I got back. So your kept choices, uh, Jane Hancock and Adrian Marcel. Oh man, the list goes Rex Life Raj and what he was doing was really, was really off the grid at that point. And I was sort of lucky to meet some of these people. And I just happened to end up at a kept choice show when he was opening for, uh, Robert Glasper, right after he had won the Grammy for Black Radio 2. And went, was going to go by myself, but luckily one of my closest friends was like, yo, I'll go with you so you don't look like a freaking weirdo uh, just going to the show. And that actually helped because <laughs> uh, the crowd was so, you know, the crowd was just, was was incredible that night at uh, New Parish. And I was geeked to see Glasper and his crew, but Kev ended up opening and I was just blown away. Uh, by this MC and clearly classically trained pianist that was, you know, on the same level as Glasper and what he was doing, but was also MCing at night. And it was just phenomenal. So I just made it a point to catch every show of his after that. And, uh, you know, it's just, you don't hear too many people talk about seeing a band and or seeing an act or seeing an artist and, you know, following their career from that point but that's really how it works you know you get exposed to some new shit and it speaks to you and you do the work as a fan to follow it and if for nothing else I'm grateful for what my fandom unlocks and it it says so much about who we are as individuals who we are as artists and creators and when you get to expressing yourself the ability to be fan will be to be, the ability to be a fan will always guide, um, you know what your threshold is for shit that's fly at the very least. So if you consume and fly shit on a daily, uh, aspiring artist, like make sure you starting with shit that's actually dope, you know, because then it will help sort of guide you. And and be the the necessary filter you need to make sure you make some fly shit. Um, and I'm proud of that. Like that's probably what I'm proudest of is my ability to remain a fan. I have so many homies that have a hard time consuming other shit, and I I feel bad for them, you know, because they've gotten into this space where, yo man, I don't listen to nothing before I'm, when I'm doing my album. It's like I that makes no sense to me at all because it's, it's so it's so much amazing shit being released released weekly and daily and not even just music but film and great books um this is really a great example of that for me and what i wanted to encapsulate with the show is 
being a fan of people and their processes and their approaches and, you know, and how they get, how they lock in and get focused, you know, and, and what inspires them and what moves them in any industry, in any walk of life, uh, from any culture. It's the most fascinating thing in the world when you get to see what, what makes people tick, what moves them, what makes them feel, you know, what, 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 uh, what hits that, that particular nerve that inspires them to, to act, you know? And as you'll hear in this convo with Kev, dude's journey has been amazing. And I want to, and I want to uh, encourage all of you to follow up and to tap in with, with Kev's music. So here's my conversation with Kev Choice. We are here, my dog Kev Choice, man. Thank you for joining me, man. Thanks for um, having me. Man. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's dope that I get to do this because it's uh, it's and it's it catches people off guard too. It's like podcast. What do you, what do you mean podcast? What do you do? What are you talking about? And uh, and I kind of prefaced you a little bit, but the mm-hmm. the premise is I I really do feel fortunate in the people that have I've been able to interact with and meet along this journey and. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I and I know it, it. I know it isn't specific to to our culture, to Black people specifically. I know it is a, a human thing in a, in a in a in a time, mm-hmm. like a happenstance sort of situation. But what happens is, we don't just take time to tell people we appreciate their work in real time. We're kind of way more comfortable celebrating them when they're gone, or when mm-hmm. we don't have access to them anymore. You know, and uh, true. That's very true. And I complain about that shit all the time. And so <laughs> instead of complaining, it's like, well, let me do a show that's centered around right. interacting with dope people, being able to to reach them. Cause, because some, there comes a time when, you know, the world rec- recognizes their genius and you can't reach them anymore. Or it, it's, a, it's harder. You know, so I, I think about you know what? What was that journalist thinking when he was hanging out with Spike and Wesley and all those and mm. Whoopi and all them in the same and all in Brooklyn? You know, it, right. if if someone would have put that shit in a time capsule, you know, and caught it in real time, and I was mm. like, damn, I want to do that because I do feel like something special is happening creatively around the world, but I do like feel like it's specific uh, to to the, to the Bay and to and to it seems Oakland seems to be the center of it too. Um, so. And that, you know, that brings me to you. Um, when I, I I left for school, and the first show that I went to when I moved back was uh, was Robert Glasper, right when he won the Grammy. And I was just going, I was honestly just going to see Glasper because I was geeked, you know. I found out about him in school. And we get there early, and the MC that night goes, coming up is this incredible dude has been on the road, Kev Choice. And you come out, and it's like, Oh shit, he's from here, and it was just like it was, it was a lot, man, to take in. And I like from that night, I was just a fan, and so I ended up catching a few shows after that. And I was just like, mm-hmm. yo, let me, let me go introduce myself, <laughs> you nah, know. And so that was at a was a new Paris, new Paris, yeah, yeah. yeah. yep, yep. That yep. was that was a classic night. I remember yeah. that night. It was, of course, opening for Robert Glasper at that time. Yeah. Like you said, just winning a Grammy, mm-hmm. him being a keyboard player, extraordinaire. I feel like it's good to explain these little jewels sometimes. Yeah. My first tour ever was with Michael Franti and Spearhead. And, um, wow. you know, I had just got out of college and, you know, I kind of auditioned for the band, mm-hmm. 
Guapale was in that band at the same time, right before Closer. Wow. You know, and um, so anyway, <laughs> we my first tour ever around the U.S., around Europe. Mm-hmm. We doing this whole European tour. I mean, just big festivals, mm-hmm. dope venues, and um, I guess the same the, uh, incredible soul artist, the legendary Bilal. Wow. Is on the is on the same tour pretty much. Like we're doing the same festivals. <laughs> they pretty much had the same booking agent as okay. Michael Francis. Okay. Saying. So we seen them everywhere. And um I just remember seeing his band warming up at Soundcheck. And you know, they would go off in this like some crazy, super fast jazz yeah. just like just killing during soundcheck. And I'm like, who the f- <laughs> is these? <laughs> and it turns out it was Robert Glasper wow. in the band. Wow. You know, this before, you know, he dropped any record before mm-hmm. anything. So I that's that was my first time hearing What him. year what year was that you think? This is like two thousand two. Wow, that was early, yeah. That's yeah, definitely early. Two thousand two. Yeah. So two thousand one probably. Hmm. You know, but um and it was yeah, so that was my first interaction. Anyway, I I would always keep my eye on him. So mm-hmm. before he kinda blew up before the the um the album that was really, that black radio yeah, yeah. black radio yeah. you know going back to canvas and double booked and and in my element mm-hmm. the, the trio album yeah i was definitely on those but um yeah that night was definitely special just being in town open up yeah. somebody that stature and then just it was dope that was a dope night yeah. <laughs> so. and, that, and and that's and that and and that is a big reason why i wanted to sit sit down and talk with you and talk talk journey cuz someone that is as accomplished as you um I imagine the scene a lot has had to go to 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 uh, persevere a ton, mm-hmm. and I think the um, one of the other unfortunate unfortunate things, unfortunate depends on perspective, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of times people catch their break and it's like overnight success. And you're like, right. fam, that shit wasn't overnight, you know, nah, and uh, definitely ain't overnight. And 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 really having you know and and and. And my vantage point of your grind is is pretty recent in the story, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's so much more, right. and so I really and what and what what I do on the show is we go back and we work mm-hmm. our way. So I want to start at the beginning. Where, where can you tell tell us where you're from? The beginning. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm I'm from right here in Oakland, California. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, born in Frisco, but never really lived in Frisco. Mm-hmm. Never really. That's where my my mom and her family is from. Okay, she, they're she, from the uh, city. Okay, yeah. okay. So at an early age, you know, mom's moved over to Oakland. Mm-hmm. I think she wanted to, you know, find her own path. Yeah. So you know, I grew up in you know Oakland public school system. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just you know ex- having that Oakland experience at mm-hmm. that time, which was you know a lot of good, a lot of bad, <laughs> a lot of crazy, a lot of a lot of you know just it just it just kept kept my eyes open to a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, learning a lot, being just a young, smart kid, yeah. you know, really just, I was blessed to be, you know, have good teachers from an early age mm-hmm. just around me, like, who noticed, like, okay, this kid has something, you know, special on the, on more on the intellectual side, like, yeah. you know, I skipped second grade at Brookfield Elementary. Wow, and you went to Brookfield, that's dope, okay. Brookfield yeah, Elementary, yeah. well, that's where I went Real to kindergarten yeah. first, <laughs> you know, that was my first schooling, you know, because yeah. um, basically, I, we was like living with some family members uh-huh. in Brookfield. Okay. You know, and um, so you know, I remember that walk to school every day, mm. pit bulls and just crazy <laughs> shit. <laughs> what um, what uh, your folks? Where so mom is from the city? Did where did you know you know where where they all originally came from? In the a, city, uh, well, my grandmother's house was over on Third. My other grandmother lived in Fillmore, so okay. that was kind of oh, so both parents are yeah. from this. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Well, both. 
I have like two grandmothers on my mother's side. Got you, that, got you, that, got you. It's, got you. It's a crazy story. Now every fa- <laughs> yeah, I, I already know. Right. Yeah. So really, that's my great grandmother. Got it. But got I still it. I always called her grandma. Got but, you. Um, so she was over, you know, third, mm-hmm. and then uh, grandma and Fillmore. Got you. you. Know, so just bouncing between them, mm-hmm. and then aunts all over the city. You got it. And then a couple of them started moving over to Oakland, mm-hmm. you know, East Oakland, Fruitvale. Mm-hmm. So yeah, family really all throughout the bay, but mostly Frisco and Oakland. And what and with with all that family and 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 the city from from my understanding, the city's rich history in jazz and music in general. Yeah. How early how early do you remember uh, being impacted by music? Well, I mean, of course, you know, you know, my family was definitely um, heavily in the church. Gotcha. You know, um, my grandparents. Um, uh, Third Baptist Church in San Francisco is mm-hmm. one of the most historic churches, you know, Reverend Amos C. Brown. So yeah. that was kind of my early experience of music, Got just it. being a church. And this is a, a more traditional middle class. This is when San Francisco had a, a middle black, class, middle yeah, class yeah, yeah. you know, business owners, Thriving, you know, yeah, lawyers, you know, very politically aware. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever somebody was running for president, they would come to the church <laughs> to get they get try the, to get their votes. Yes, yeah. You know, and um, you know, get that black vote. Mm-hmm. You know, especially Democrats. But um, so that's kind of the the church, you know, background that I came from. Yeah. You know, even even the choir was more of a classical chorale. Got you know, it. it wasn't like the the Kojic or the the, the down home <laughs> church that we. It was a mixture, but it was really more like you know they played the pipe organ. And, yeah. Uh, classically trained singers, classically trained, um, you know, musicians. That's so dope, man. So it was, it was, it was, a, and that was my. I wasn't really into it yet, but that yeah. was what I was. Which would you? Yeah, that is your first. Thing. Okay. You know, what I'm saying of course, you know, the family, my mom's, you know, being a young mother, mm-hmm. listening to all of the current, you know, music of the day, whether mm-hmm. that be the, you know, the, the soul, the R and B, hip hop stuff, you know, just that's kind of what was going on around the house. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying so that was. Having that exposure of very young aunts, very young mothers, listening to the hip stuff, always yeah. going to concerts. I feel like my mom was dropping me off. I'm about to go to the show with the Circle Star, or, or, you know, or Circle Star. I've heard so many <laughs> great stories about Circle Star. Oh my god! So you know, that's where it used, that's where all the concerts used yeah. to be. So, so definitely having that exposure, you know, of, of music from the family, not not necessarily having musicians around or mm-hmm. anything, but just being around a culture where music was appreciated and celebrated. And that's that's I I'm so glad you said that cuz I always I, I often forget to have that conversation, but almost almost just as impressionable if not more is having young parents. My parents were really young mm-hmm. with me too. So as they were growing up, yeah. and still like they weren't going to not listen to the new shit because I was right. a baby. They listened to it with me. Yeah. And so right right or wrong, mm-hmm. you know, pops was dropping me off at school listening to Public Enemy. And so right. like naturally it's yeah. just what I it, you know ingrained. exactly. Yeah. And that's fascinating that you say that because you know one would ought because of how what a great musician you are, one would automatically assume well, it's in the bloodline somewhere or somebody mm-hmm. close to him was, you know, but this, you just talking right. about just growing up with your parents essentially right. yeah, mm-hmm. and, and watching them grow and then getting it secondhand from them. You know, right. you, that's awesome. Yeah, it's just the exposure. But, and on the flip side of that, which, you know, could go into a whole another conversation of, you know, what's in the genes. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really, I didn't grow up with my father at all. Okay. Father wasn't in the picture until later in my life. Got it, got it, got it. And now we're like super close. Yeah. But 
unbeknownst to me, my father's side of the family is all of these and deeply ingrained in the gospel church in the Bay Area. Wow. Like my f- grandfather was inducted into the Bay Area Gospel Hall of Fame as a choir director. So it yeah. all makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't it wasn't you didn't like know. I was yeah. there with them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like later in life I, I seen like a couple of his performances mm-hmm. and um, you know, he but yeah, he was a choir director for years. Wow. And so and my uncles and aunts on that side, on my father's side, they grew up in the church playing music, but you know, I and and I don't consider myself to be. Oh, I grew up in like there's a lot of cats who grew up in the church. Yeah, for real, for real. That's yeah. their school, and, yeah. that's their, and they I almost wish I did because it's an incredible experience. <laughs> just getting that feel, getting that soul from a super early age. Yeah. But I had a whole different path. Yeah. You know what but the, what do you? What are your thoughts then on? You know, just certain things just being written, like it's inevitable that that was going to find whether you whether you grew up with your dad's side of the family or right. not, mm-hmm. it found you regardless. You right. know, is that do you think about it like that at all? No, I definitely feel, and that's what I say. Like it's you know, certain things are in our blood or in our culture yeah. or you know, in our soul. Yeah. You know, and that's I I didn't have to grow up with my my aunts and my uncles and my mm-hmm. cousins to still have that same connection. It's almost like sometimes you see your cousin. For the first time, you be like, and y'all automatically hit it off. Yeah, and that's just like you have that connection. It's exactly. deeper than just the the material. It's like a spiritual, absolutely, like a soulful thing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So definitely, I later on in life, I feel like, wow, I probably I had that in me. Maybe yeah. that's where it came from. Maybe yeah. that's why I was so attracted to wanting to learn an instrument mm-hmm. like the piano mm-hmm. at such an early age. Which you know, getting to you know my history, I didn't really take my first piano lesson or formal into like seventh grade yeah you know actually at Westlake Junior High School I signed up for an elective class I like I had a I had an infatuation with like pianos and keyboards like you know you go to your your homie house he got a little keyboard you just start (laughs) playing hitting on it they be like yeah what you doing I'm just like I don't know I'm just just hitting buttons or just playing around, turning on the little beats they used to have, the little tango beat or the little rock beat. Had the built-in loop. Yeah, yeah, you know, I used to just be like, okay, this, so you can make music from this, but mm-hmm. I didn't really, nobody sat me down and was like, okay, this is how you do it, or yeah. this is, I didn't even really know what I was listening to, you know what I'm saying? Wow, so, yeah, but what, ele- so let's go, let's, elementary school, is it, we talking elementary school, or are we talking earlier before that? Well, this was, um, well, this, around this time, this was like fifth, sixth grade okay. when I started really trying like getting like I could see myself gravitating towards keyboards or pianos mm-hmm. or, or whenever I would see one. Mm-hmm. And you know, um you know, after Brookfield I went to Burbank for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Then it was like, you know, you know, we moved around. A lot of a kids lot, moved yeah. around. A lot, like, yeah. You know, my mom, we uh we dipped to LA for like one year. Mm-hmm. I think my mom, I had an aunt in LA and that was a that was a big experience for me too, just first time really leaving Oakland. Yeah. Going to L.A., to me, I was like, I felt like I was living in Disneyland or, something, or like Hollywood, you know, even though we wasn't in Hollywood at <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, I'm It may like, as well be, yeah. <laughs> you know, we was living in an apartment building. It was like, I remember this girl from um, one of the TV shows. It might have been, I forget, but she was an actress, like yeah. an actress on TV. I'm yeah. like, God, like, we don't see that in the town. Like, exactly. Like, superstars walking around or the Hall of Fame, the Walk of Fame, yeah. whatever, all of that stuff. So that kind of gave me a big eye opener to like, you know, the entertainment industry is mm-hmm. accessible. Yeah. It's just normal people who just happen to get get into it or they they work 
it's like being it's like doing work. You know, like you just, just gotta be in the right place or you gotta have that opportunity. But it's it's normal people doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it may, it took it away from like, oh, that's on TV to that. Like that's just real people who yeah. exposed and get the opportunity. Damn man. You know, so um so yeah, I I feel like then me and my cousins and brothers, we you know, start making little routines, mm-hmm. just, whether it be dance routines, rap routines, just performing. Like we all just kinda wanted to perform. Yeah. You know, and that and that's kind of like where the hunger to be a performer kind of started. What was and then what was what was school like for you? Just uh, as a you know as a student, like and 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 then pot like were you popular and all like how how did uh, that? I definitely um, <laughs> elementary. I was like the smart kid, so you know, I was like the nerdy kid. Yeah. You know, you can't be too nerdy in East Oakland. So <laughs> it wasn't like I was nerdy, but I was like the one who was doing his work. Yeah. And, yeah. Not getting in trouble, you know, you know, doing the doing the extra stuff, the gate program, yeah. you know, staying after school, maybe doing the spelling bee. Like yeah. I was I wanted to be smart. I wanted to learn. I wanted to I felt like at that at that age that was my that was my push. Like just I'm in school. What else what else should I be doing? I wanted to learn. I wanted to be smart. To me that was like a a thrill, like what? learning more, like Finishing all my problems before anybody else. What get? Where does that come from, though? Because it, it, it I, you know, I, I don't know, and that's, and I think it was just. I feel like that's. I knew I was good. At, maybe that's. I felt like I can. Like I said, it was almost a competition. Yeah. Thing. I was like, these kids might be. This kid, he 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 might be stronger than mm. me. He might be. T- and I was also always the shortest kid in <laughs> class, until like, till junior high. School. Okay. Okay. So like okay, I'm the shortest kid in class. I ain't the smartest. I ain't the best looking. I ain't the best dressed. Yeah. I ain't the most athletic. But let I'm a, me, I'm a grind. Let, yeah. let me at least. I know I'm. I know I can read good. I, I know I can do these math problems hella good. So that was at least the one thing I had that could that could nobody fuck with me. Gotcha. <laughs> you gotcha. Know no, that's the, at that time. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it. I'm gonna be the smartest kid in class, and yeah. y'all can do whatever. And it. When does uh, how how soon how soon do you start uh? Train be training for piano. How how soon does that start? So that started um yeah, that's that didn't start till seventh grade. Seventh grade, okay. Yeah. You know, and in between that time, you know, you go from wanting to be the smartest kid in class to being the smartest kid in class is almost like a problem. Mm. So maybe I pull back a little bit and you know, you you get you catch a lot of heat yeah. for being, you know, teacher pet all that yeah. type of shit or the, the smartest kid. So and especially from moving around, you know, you had, you know, never really getting ha- not good. having a, a stable environment for a while might have affected that as well. Yeah, you know, different schools, different teachers, different environments, trying to fit in. You know, we a year in L.A. then like a half a year in Sac, mm-hmm. and then finally back to Oakland for seventh grade, where I started at Westlake. Okay, and um, signed up for my first. I, I t- we we got a chance to take two electives, mm-hmm. and I chose French and piano. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Cause <laughs> I always, always wanted. To, I was like, I want to go to France one day. Yeah. Like every the whole class taking Spanish because yeah. uh, you know we, we all our friends are Spanish. All the speakers, <laughs> we like, oh, that's an easy A. Everybody, I'm gonna take Spanish. This is an easy A. You're like, nah. I, I need. was like, I'm gonna take this French class. Let's see how this go. So I took French and piano, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of just my first introduction into to music, reading music, writing music. I mean, not writing, but just performing music. Yeah. And um. It kind of just took off from there, and then and did it did it stick immediately? Did you know like yo, this is it? Yeah, I yeah. think I think as soon because again it was like the competitive thing. Mm-hmm. Like we 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 learned how to 
my teacher, I gotta give her, give her props because she made us read. She made us learn how to read music first before you even t- before we even touched the piano. Yeah. It was like the first two months. Like I want to say school starts September, September to like December. Mm-hmm. It was just all theory. You know, wow. read your notes, rhythms, the the, the grand staff, mm-hmm. all of that type of stuff. You know the A B C D. You know. Yeah. So that was the whole first couple of months. Yeah. Then right before Christmas break, we we got the chance to get our little piano book. And jump on the piano, wow. and again, I wanted to be the I wanted to be the best one in the class. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm practicing, I'm practicing every day. Yeah, I'm going through all the exercises, going through all the songs, <laughs> finish the book. And it's like, okay, and then it's like, you know, you, then I learned like my first piece. You know, mm-hmm. she assigned me a first piece for our recital at the end of the year, and um, I think it was evident that I had the hunger. And yeah. she kind of saw that. She was like, okay, you you really you really out here trying to do this? Wow. <laughs> So and then she recommended to me that I go to this program at UC Berkeley called Young Musicians Program. Wow. A lot of incredible cats in the Bay Area. And Anissa on her episode talked about that. Too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> YMP, you know, Young Musicians. So it's, and it's crazy now you think about it. I mean, because even to me, Berkeley was, I was from Oakland. Berkeley was a, it was a, it was a trek at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to go all the way to Berkeley. <laughs> but, you know, during the summer, I was, you know, get on the bus Go to the summer program on UC Berkeley's campus, mm-hmm. in their classrooms. You know, every morning we do a choir class. Everybody in the program do a choir class yeah. for like an hour. Yeah. Then we go off into, you know, theory, music history, piano duo, piano jazz, piano, like for a whole day. And it Damn. was all young little prodigies from all over the Bay Area. Wow. How, how many of, do you you see anybody now from back all then? All the time. I mean, people like Howard Wiley, uh, Thomas Pridgen, uh, Geechee wow. Taylor, um, even all it's it's just uh, it's it's an incredible amount of musicians on the Bay Area scene mm-hmm. right now that's that still that came through that came through that program. Wow! Yeah. So, so then we get in. Um, it's like we, the uh, AAU of uh, music. of music. There you go. That's that's <laughs> the know, perfect like analogy. The top AAU team. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all the musicians went in there. What uh, then we then we get in the high in the high school. What was high school like? High school where high school was crazy. Where'd you where'd you go? Skyline. Skyline, okay, okay. So, you know, so, but just to backtrack a little to um, to junior high, because mm-hmm. it's kind of relevant, because mm-hmm. on top of, you know, me being, you know, learning this this piano, mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is like, to me, the golden era of hip-hop. You know, oh, yeah. Where, um, so at Westlake, every day it's a cypher. Every day it's a battle. Yeah. Every day it's somebody beating on the table or the trash can. Freestyling, even when the seventh grade, I'm looking up at the you know the ninth graders, just spitting the mm-hmm. whole lunch period, like going hard, like. And then this was a time where you almost had to earn your way into the cipher. You couldn't just show like up nowadays. Yeah. Like everybody, like uh, even your homie who drunk could just spit. Yeah. <laughs> back then it was like if you wasn't really spitting, you just you, sat back and listened. Yeah. So I was just you know I'm I'm young. I'm like eleven, twelve. Mm-hmm. I think I had wrote some poems, mm-hmm. but. Never really was out rapping with cats, but mm-hmm. so I'm seeing these cats rapping every day. The, mm-hmm. the, the older kids, and just like wow, and they was they was hard, like yeah. it was just raw. It was cats from you know Westlake was one of the only schools where it was cats from the west and from the east, mm-hmm. and you might even get some, some, you know, just people from all over Oakland. Yeah. You know what I'm saying because it was, you know, some of the schools at that time was you know you had Frick. <laughs> or you have McChesney or, you know, Montero in the Hills. Yeah. They all had that little element. Westlake was like this one little school in the center of Oakland. So yeah. it was just a dope vibe. And um, but so around eighth grade, ninth grade, you know, all, a couple of other cats in my school 
who are now known as, you know, Yuck Mouth and, and Numbskull. Wow. Uh, you know, eventually the loonies, became the loonies. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we was all, you know, all friends. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I, I remember the first time, you know, um, Numb, he, you know, he he found out I did music. He was like, man, come to my house. And he, mm-hmm. you know, I went to his house. This is like eighth grade. Mm-hmm. He had like a little drum machine. So he's like showing me like, like yeah, I make beats on this, blah, blah, blah. And then so we just kind of, Damn, like man. me, him, <laughs> yuck, we kind of formed a group. Mm-hmm. Brothers with potential. This is like eighth, eighth, ninth grade. Oh, sick. Wow. Yeah. So you know, it was like five of us. And, you know, we would just be, you know, we we writing raps together, hanging together. You know, performing. I was of course playing key. Like mm-hmm. whenever niggas want some keys on something, they like, yeah, hey, you know the keys. So going to the studio, you know, we had like older little, older little cats kind of like trying to mentor us. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, we gonna make y'all a group and none of that. So that was that was kind of like my junior high experience. Like, wow, that was junior rap, so, high. Yeah, so we you know performing little places, and um, but it was dope. I mean, Yuck was always. I mean, to this day, he's revered as one of the the best dopest yeah. lyricists. Yeah, yeah. Even then, he was just he was always the cat with the metaphors, the jokes, the you know just hilarious yeah. and just crazy witty and creative with with the lyrics. So. Well, see that, but now, but I because I'm gonna jump super ahead for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that really does explain you so much more because I, I remember that first time and in every show after that it's like how how was breath so nice on the keys but then so nice on the mic too like how does that how do you it's not fair that you get to do both but it's the um you have there's there's a few cats that have this particular edge and i don't know i think it i think it is because but I think it is because of what uh, actually great MCs you are, but you you often get typecasted as just the composer. So your Q-tips, um, your Yays, uh, uh, Diamond D, like there's these there's these incredible composer producers that that are obviously dope on the beats, right. but when you hear them rap, you like. No, fam is really gassing right, right now too, and so there's this, there's this. When you watch Tip Rap, he's got this edge all the time. It's like, why is fam on edge? It's because he need niggas to know that he's nice too. Right, right. And you have that too, where you like, nah, I need like, I know y'all see how nice I am on the keys, but I need you to know how right. nice I am with these bars. Nah, but it's because you were cipher, you were ciphering with Yuck and Numb, and like that was that was your introduction to MC, mm-hmm. right? Pretty much, yeah. right? Yeah, like on a. On a level where you know I, the first time I'm rapping with other cats, mm-hmm. like, you know, besides just writing to myself or maybe like my best friend, yeah. And um, but yeah, that was my first experiences. Wow, like, you write your verse, let me write my verse, and let's you know kick them to each other, yeah. like that type of shit. Yeah. And even back then, like I was always the cat. They're like, "Kev, you using them big ass words, <laughs> Kev, man. Just, just slow it down, or Kev, you know." Everybody kind of had their own style. Yeah. But I learned, and especially like even numb though. I think he's. You know, Yuck kind of got his, you know, he 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 got his status. You know, he went and signed with Rap a lot. Rap a lot, yeah. And you know, um, but Nun was really he at a young age. Like, I think he's underrated for his, Super. his lyricism Super. and even on the production, production side. Yeah, you know, like just he was always just a thinking mind. He was almost like the easy E to shit. Like yeah. he was the one that could put shit together. You know. Not to say that he didn't write his own shit, but yeah. just like he had the business mind Absolutely. and just really like a creative mind. Like, 
and really could 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 speak it clearly like what what needs to be done like for a song or for a performance like nah this we need to do it like this and this is how it's gonna go like he was kind of like the leader in that Damn, sense man. you know what I'm saying and um you know shit happened in life to where you know he had to sit down for a minute yeah it's good that he back and you know doing that thing but um yeah that was kind of also at that school which was crazy another Oakland legendary group the Who Riders are you serious all at the same school all at all at West Lake at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, and Osh. Wow. I just took and a young brother, one of the illest freestylers in history, rapping Ron. Are you all at this? Yeah, this Bro. is all Westlake Junior <laughs> High School. <laughs> Them cyphers was crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. Nah, rapping Ron, that was another cat who just, you wouldn't want to rap when he was rapping. Hell no. He you would just sit back and listen. Wow. <laughs> and he could freestyle, he was probably one of the. He could freestyle for hours, like literally, wow. like just we. He would. I remember sometimes I would tag on. I mean, we was cool. He was more cool with some of my other friends, mm-hmm. and I was just, you know, if we walking home around the lake, he could rap around the whole lake. Damn. <laughs> you know what Damn. Saying? And so that was kind of like that was my junior high experience. Yeah. And um, fast forward to Skyline. So you know, yeah. I, all all of them, all of my friends from junior high, mostly, you know, most of the cats from the West Lake went to either Tech or Ohio. Okay. Okay. You know, the, being a skyline was, you know, the music magnet, what they call it back then. Yeah. You know, the school where they had the band, yeah. jazz band, orchestra. You know, I wanted to go there. Was that, that's what, and that was why? Yeah, okay. that's why okay. I wanted to go to Skyline, just okay. to be more in a music program. Gotcha. And um, so, and that was cool, you know, getting to be in jazz band, getting to be in orchestra. Mm-hmm. You know, but also, the hip-hop legacy at Skyline. It's like I went from that all of that at Westlake to here I am at at Skyline where you got pretty much half of the hieroglyphics crew. Damn. You got um and these cats was like a maybe a year or two older than me, you know, casual. Probably one of the illest Man. still Beast. to this day, like to this he's day. still just I just heard some new cats. It was like, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. Like, I mean, so this is again, it's like here I am, sophomore, these cats are like junior seniors, ciphers. Yeah. Every day. And I'm I'm here Cas, A plus Pep Love, wow. Opio, wow. just in class or in the hallway. So mm. I'm just like, you know, you, you, you definitely knew you had to, you couldn't just, yeah, you couldn't just step up and be whack or niggas was just going to just shut you, clown, clown the fuck out of you, clown yeah. you hard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, and, and, and you know, the, 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 the conversation that I personally dread the most is the, you know, golden era versus the new nigga. You know, it's it's such a mm-hmm. it's such a uh it's just a non productive yeah. I, I don't I don't ever try to compare it, you yeah. know, cause the youth these days got their own little versions of it. And mm-hmm. I see it, I see I see young cats out here, even, you know, being a teacher at OSA. Yeah. You know, seeing how these, you know, young cats, you know, they in the lab, they recording, they writing, yeah. they ciphering yeah. in their own manners. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's just a it, 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 you can't try to I try not to compare and contrast. But that and and that but I feel like that lean leans a lot towards um, your ability to you know be so be so relevant and current mm-hmm. and have and have such a uh, have such a connection to the youth because mm-hmm. you're you you know you you're you're making an effort to you know through through your teaching. Mm-hmm. To listen, where right. a lot of where a lot of the where a lot of the the disconnect is, neither party trying to trying to hear right, each yeah, other, not, you know, not and, trying to see the, yeah. the the value or the the experience in in each other. Whether yeah. that's a, a young cat like 
you know, cats talking about Tupac was boring. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> who the like? You, yeah, like yeah. that's just I can't even fathom. Exactly. Like, I would never say that at that young age. I would always have number one just the respect. Yeah. Of somebody who's had such a great career and yeah. so much for music in general. Yeah. And not even beyond music, just culture. Culturally, yeah. You know, so or just uh, or or on the reverse side of that, a, a young a OG cat, you know, not seeing the value of what the youth is trying to offer exactly. in their music. I'm like, oh, that ain't music. Or, oh, they ain't got bars. Like, we have bars. Yeah. Like, it's just a different, it's just a it's different a new, context. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And trying to see the the value in everything. And that's, yeah. from my spiritual side, is one of the core core uh, values is seeing the seeing value. Seeing the value in everything. In everything. Yeah, that's dope, <laughs> man. But, and then, and then, you know, in in high school, seeing all that, and then go and then and being in a music program and do and doing all that, yeah. what was it, you know, were you starting to set goals or was it just like I just you were you still in love with it or had you set goals by then? I think you know, I definitely at that time it was just you know just trying to get better. Yeah, I was always like I want to get better, you know, doing songs, and it wasn't like I had a. A specific goal. I feel like, and that might have been one thing I could have been more um, diligent in. Is like, you know, I wanna, I wanna drop this. Yeah. I was just, I just love creating. Exactly. I just love, you know, being with the homies, working with, you know, producers, producing my own stuff, performing. I was just trying to keep. I was always like, I just want to get better. I just want to get better. I just yeah. want to create. You know, and I just love doing it. Yeah. You know, I was seeing cats like Souls, you know, drop albums. I was seeing cats like Casual drop albums. And I definitely wanted to get to that point. But maybe I didn't have the the business aesthetic at that time. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, you need this is how you do it or this is how you get signed. Yeah. You know, I didn't really have that structure yet. I was just like, well, if I keep getting better, then opportunities will come. Will come yeah. You know, and just being around people. And um, so I definitely knew that. That's what I wanted to do. I remember even telling my mom, like, you know, she was like, "Well, what you want to do?" I, I feel like I got a bad grade one time. Mm-hmm. She was like, you know, you you don't quit fucking up. You ain't what you gonna do with your life? I'm yeah. like, I'm gonna be a rapper. <laughs> she was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what are you talking about?" And I was like, "Well, you know." I, so I knew that I, I knew that music is what I wanted to do. I didn't know how I yeah. was gonna make it happen, yeah. but I just knew that if I kept, kept, you know, kept trying to get better, kept being in the right place. Connecting with the right people, then eventually, you know, things will happen. So, and and this this is probably the most fascinating part about you to me, is that you are like you are hip hop, like when no no question about it. Mm-hmm. But your understanding and your love for classical music is is probably one of the more more inspirational things in the world. Like that shit is so dope to me because you, you have you 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 live it, you breathe it, but Mm-hmm. Now you're in this position to bring those worlds together. Where where does the the classical element come in at at, at all? Where did uh, that start? Well, you know that's that basically started with you know my my piano training. Okay, you know, even okay. in seventh grade, you know, um, after we learned like how I was talking about learning all the fundamentals and you know going through the first book and then getting assigned my first piece. Mm-hmm. You know my you know the the first piece was like a classical piece. Gotcha. You know, a sonatina by Musio Musio Clementi. You wow. know, and that was like. Recital at the end of the year is like you know we playing the little kids is playing all muscle, mostly classical stuff. Gotcha. And then YMP, you know I was I kind of got into YMP as a classical. Got it. Uh, pianist. I I didn't really know jazz. I hadn't really nobody has taught me jazz. Mm-hmm. Yet. And um, 
So, you know, through through um, junior high, um, high school, taking private lessons, you know, getting that classical training, Got you you. Know, learning all your skills, arpeggios, stuff like Bach, you mm-hmm. know, Chopin, the, the, the Mozarts. Yeah. The, so that was what, you know, my private lessons was. Got and, you. Um, and then taking that even, fo- I, I kind of slacked off a little bit in high in high school. Uh, I think I got kind of took a break from YMP. Not a break. I kind of got out of YMP because I I was trying to explore other things. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a summer job, or I wanted to you know be more on, on the hip hop stuff. Gotcha. I don't, I don't think I saw the value of the classical. I I knew I knew it would make me get better, but I was still kind of like, this ain't real. what is why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. This is boring, or you know, going to sitting at three hour recitals where kids is the violin solo, the cello solo, the flute, the oboe, <laughs> like everybody performing their pieces. Yeah, you know, it was. I was like, man, I'm you know, I'm a young teenager in the town. I want to. I didn't want to be doing that all it's summer. It's enticing, yeah, 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 and every weekend, yeah. And um, so yeah, so around tenth grade, I kind of, I didn't say I stopped doing the classical stuff, but. I took a break from it in the mm-hmm. formal. I didn't really have a teacher or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny that the stuff that I learned in that period helped me to pretty much get a scholarship into college. You know, which, yeah. you know, which I got a scholarship to go to Xavier University mm-hmm. um, and and study classical music. Wow. You know, so yeah. that's kind of how that happened. It was, and that was kind of a random, crazy scenario. Um, I was on a black college tour, you know, because mm-hmm. my mind I always wanted to go to a black college. And where's that? Where that from? Just I think that was just from you know being influenced by culture at that time. You know, yeah. it was kind of a prideful thing to, to you go know, to Howard University yeah. or, or or Morehouse. Mm-hmm. Like Morehouse was really my number one goal. Going gotcha. to history of Morehouse, you know, um, or more. I think more. It was definitely Morehouse. You know, Clark Atlanta. Gotcha. Maybe Howard Hampton mm-hmm. had a lot of friends. You know, it was. And it was cool even back then to have a you know Oakland had a a, a strong um, uh, community of, of of young African Americans who that was kind of their goal. Gotcha. You know, I had friends with the Norfolk State, yeah, or, or you know or Tuskegee, <laughs> or, you know Grambling. You yeah. Know? So we it was a, it was definitely a a contingent of of young African Americans who wanted to go to Black College. Yeah. And um, so I went on a Black College tour with this group called the Oakland Oakland Boys Chorus. Which mm-hmm. Was kind of like a a real hood bootleg version of the Harlem Boys Chorus. <laughs> and, I mean, but it was you know it was just some wild kids from East Oakland. This director had this vision to create this boys chorus, yes. and uh, he took these like a group of maybe thirty young kids. Oh, he elementary. was wild, and he took thirty of y'all <laughs> on, on two little camper buses, uh, and um, we literally drove from California. And this is my first time going down south. Yeah. Drove from California all the way to you know Texas. Wow. We stopped off at Prairie View. We stopped off in uh, Louisiana. Mm. Um, you know we made it to Atlanta, and I think that was the farthest we got. But when we stopped off at Xavier University, you know it's crazy because the kids was these kids was really some. <laughs> so you know the t- we, we we were supposed to do a performance, but I think it was like it wasn't it might have been spring break, so the kids weren't there. Yeah. So they was we was just looking at the school and the kids were gonna sing for one of the the head of the music department, and the kids was just acting hella bad, like fighting with each other, yelling. They couldn't settle down. So the um the, the choir director was like, "Kev, go up and play a piece real quick." 
and let me calm the kids down. Like, let me calm them down, and then we'll try to start the concert. So I went up, and, I, you know, I knew this uh, Chopin prelude, yeah. and, you know, I kind of played it. I played it, and then um, I get off the stage, and the music director, I mean, the, the head of the music department comes up to me. He was like, she's like, would you like to come to Xavier? Would you, you know, we'll offer you a scholarship. Right now. <laughs> and I was just like, what? Like, that's crazy. I was like, okay, well. And I was, that's kind of how what started that process Damn. of me uh, going to Xavier University. So, thank, thank y'all, badass kids, for <laughs> getting right, give a scholarship. Right. That's that's how that happened. It was it was wild. I'm, I'll never forget that day because it was, it was it was definitely just you know God putting you in a place in the right time, creating yeah. a circumstance. And I was kind of upset because we didn't get to see Morehouse like how I really want. I really want to go to Morehouse. Yeah. But, Something happened on the trip where we was late or we didn't make it or yeah. you know like we we believe we pretty much like drove by Morehouse and I didn't really get to go see it. Wow! And I was like kind of heartbroken. Yeah, <laughs> but it worked out. Xavier was a great experience. New Orleans was incredible. Damn man! And that was another scenario of being around. You know the schooling of classical in, the, in school, but. And you were in New, New Orleans, Orleans. <laughs> and this is the time when you know this is That's, when all of the no limits, no as limit cash, is that cash money, money? Yeah, you know. Um, so seeing that before it really even hit nationwide, yeah. it was just kind of like it was crazy. It was crazy. Wow. What and then um, so the the pro, you're doing the program there. Are you are you right? Are you doing albums? Are you? Yeah, what? I was. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, because I was. At this point, I'm just like, I'm making beats every day. I'm writing. I'm trying to write songs. Yeah. I got my forts. Like I'm going to school, but I'm all all my roommates will be like, man, this kid always in the back, on this little four track with this little you know sampler. Yeah. What uh what uh what uh beat machine were you using at the time? Man, I had like a small. It's this was, it wasn't an ASR. It didn't even have keys on. It was like a. Small little sampler thing. Mm -hmm. I forget what it was. It was like a box sampler. It was like a, a module. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like an ASR or um, or or EPS. I, I remember high school. The homie had an EPS. Yeah. And um, so it was just something I could literally sample for like two two to three seconds on. <laughs> so you need. So you need. So I would just you know take little samples, lay a lay a snare, lay a hi hat, yeah. lay a kick. In one pattern, sample that back, make that on. It was, and I was messing around with a four track. Damn. So that's how I used to make my songs, like step by step. Wow. And um, yeah, I used to just be making songs, and you know, I got with some homies in in New Orleans, and we kind of formed a uh, formed a crew back mm -hmm. then, and mm -hmm. uh, it was good. New Orleans was my first, you know, being from Oakland. We we don't never really interact with. You know, people from Atlanta or yeah, Chicago yeah, yeah. or St. Louis or D.C. or New York. So I'm, like, meeting all these people from all over the country. And like, wow, okay, they on this Houston. They on this screw shit. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Or, you know, Chicago cast is really, you know, they they heavy on some real, just just learning, you know, their, their hip-hop. Um, lineage and all yeah, that. Yeah, their yeah. lineage. Their, um, them bringing all of their influences. Absolutely. You know, I'm you know, I'm the cat from Cali from the Bay, so I have my own flavor, exactly. my own style. And um, you know, hooked up with some other cats from the Bay, mm -hmm. another cat from Chicago. We kinda formed a group and um started performing, you know, I was producing, mm -hmm. I had beats from from homies back home. So just doing little shows, doing little talent shows, doing little rap battles, all kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's while I was in school, I was also heavily kinda just trying to get 
do shit on the New Orleans hip hop scene, which yeah. was crazy. It was a lot of dope cats, you know what I'm saying? A lot of dope cats out there. Yeah. And then um what was uh how and then how does the how does the masters program come into play? Did you already know that was gonna be the move or did it nah, kinda it was another really random scenario. I mean, you know, after the you know, it took me five years to get through Xavier. You know, first two years was kind of rough, mm-hmm. just trying to figure it out. You know, how to be a you know a college student. Damn, I yeah, that, and it's you know coming from the, all the way from the town, and it mm-hmm. and regardless regardless or not, it is it is some co- kind of culture shock. I it's think it's extreme culture yeah. shock. It's extreme. At first, I was like, I, it took me a while to to embrace it. You yeah, because you know not on, not only do they have a music culture or just a uh, community culture, like le- it's like learning a whole new way of living. Exactly, you know, from the food they eat mm-hmm. to the way they dress, the way they talk, mm-hmm. and just knowing what streets you want to learn. Like you know, you know, you might not want to go down that street yeah. from Cali, there. Yeah. You know, and it was some real scenarios that <laughs> happened out there, and I was blessed. Yeah, but you know, the, and also the year I moved to New Orleans, it was the murder capital, capital of the world, yeah, of the United States. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's like we had our issues in the town. But, in comparison, you know, the most murders in Oakland had was like 180 or 100. That crazy year, yeah. Yeah, in New Orleans, I think the year that I went there, it was like 300 to 400. Jeez. So they, you know, it, it would be shit like six six murders in one weekend type wow. shit, and wow. I was just like, and I was in the uptown, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, in the shit, yeah, yeah. So it was just you know learning how to you know be a navigate, college student, yeah. navigate you in the hood, you ain't at home, you can't just be. Out here, just doing whatever. Yeah. But also, you know, and you know, trying to learn how to embrace the culture because the people out there really are very warm. If you get if you get in with them, if mm-hmm. you connect with them, and you know, you know that that southern hospitality, you know, having families cooking for you, having people really look out for you yeah. and show you that love. So it's it took me a while to get into it and embrace it and be open to it. I, yeah. mean, I was seventeen when I first went out there. So. Yeah. A seventeen year old. That's right. Yeah, you skipped a grade. Yeah, so yeah. you were. Yeah, I was real young when I when I moved away. <laughs> seventeen. So how close? How close? Because uh, I went through it. It's like the middle of my. It's like the we had just started conference and mm-hmm. hoops. So my freshman year, and I'd had it. I was like, I'm going home. And my uh, my uncle called and like it's like, fam, calm down. Shit, right. shit gets hard in life. Like yeah. relax. Did you go through that at all? Yeah, I mean, I feel like what it was for me more was just you know not having family. The financial struggles. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wasn't able to live on campus just because of, I think, because I kind of applied. I I got accepted later than most people in the process. Got it. Just because even by the way that I got the scholarship. Mm -hmm. So I had to stay off campus, you know, living on my own. Paying rent. Paying rent, paying bills, you know, sleeping on couches, like all kind of crazy shit that I had to experience on top of being a student. So, and... I definitely wanted to stick it through. It was it was definitely a couple of times where I was like, man, how's this shit gonna work? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, making calls home, like trying to you know trying to get people to you know help support me. But I had a good support system, yeah. so it always it always materialized. It always worked out. But I think I got a real wake up call. I want to say junior year, where it was on some like you know you gotta you gotta really pick your grades up. You can't be getting C's. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. You can't, you basically can't go to the next level of the program unless you have all A's and B's. Yeah. So I kind of had to like really, you know, do a kind of just change my practices and get really like super focused. Yeah. And then from the from the time you get there, are you are you on track 
with your major or they or I mean I, yeah, the prereqs and all that. Once so, yeah. that junior year hit, that's when it was kind of like you gotta you gotta step it up. Yeah, I was I was on track, but I wasn't like I said. You you can't just be sliding by. Mm-hmm. You know, excelling is yeah. Uh, you got you know so in order so basically you're there the first two years you kind of do your like you say your pre prereqs. Yeah. Then the, when you get to junior year, you start getting into your major deep. They was like we not we're not gonna accept you into the next level of the program mm-hmm. unless. I had like a semester to step it up. Got gotcha. you. From then on, it was pretty much I got really more focused in. That was dope. And what um what was you was it was it you know habits? Were you comfortable? Like what do you what do you I remember? I think it was with? just you know just being on my own, not having no guidance, going through the the ups and downs of yeah. the financial stuff. Just you know, I mean, in New Orleans is a party city. People <laughs> kicking it, living in a, a house with three roommates, mm-hmm. and we just doing all kind of stuff and just. Just trying to figure it out, trying to figure out the balance of knowing how much I need to focus on school and yeah. knowing when to, you know, let do the other things. So yeah. I, I kind of had to really just get more focused, you know. And um, I think because of you know I was smart, I've kind of like skated through through elementary, junior high, high school. You can kind of skate okay. through if you're smart, if yeah. you know how to maneuver you know how to yeah. <laughs> Once you get to you know college, it's like okay, you can't you can't skate through this shit no exactly. more. Exactly, and if they see you skating, they're like, nah. they gonna call you on your <laughs> shit. Yeah. So I think it was just really becoming mature, becoming more focused, and learning like you know what, if you really want to get to the like okay, yeah, you good at piano, we know this, but yeah. if you really get to the next level, you gonna have to step it up. Wow, and and then how how much did that uh, sort of guide the master process? going to enter in the master's program, and then were you you well, getting um, that sort of wake up call? Then yeah, so after that, you know, I was in school for two more years. You mm-hmm. know, basically just preparing my junior recital, my senior recital, mm-hmm. like putting in a lot of work. You know, six to eight hours a day type playing the piano yeah. type shit, and um, then um. A professor who was at Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, who was an alumni of Xavier. Mm-hmm. I got like this I got like this award my senior year, like, you know, top music student. So, um, I did a you know, big recital, whatever. Uh, performed there, you know, kinda afterwards it was like a similar situation. He came up to me like, Would you like to come, you know, study with me at Southern Illinois University and get mm-hmm. your masters? And I was just kinda like, Huh <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it. <laughs> I was just gonna come back to the town and yeah. just kind of just start trying to you know get on the scene. Exactly. So I was like, okay, that's that's kind of a dope opportunity to have your master's degree by the age of twenty four. Feel me? So, and I and I do feel like I always had it in my mind like being an educated black man was an important thing. Absolutely. Because it's it's a rare thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, you can look at the percentages yep. and see that it ain't a lot of us. Yeah. And. It was always one of my goals to at least be able to be that example. Like, mm. look, I, got, I went and got my degree from Oakland, yeah. which a lot of cats wasn't doing. Like, yeah. I had a lot of friends who even dropped out of Xavier or, you know, cats who dropped out of high school. Yeah. So it was always my goal to get an education. So the opportunity to get a master's, I was just like, it's like I couldn't turn it down, really. Mm-hmm. And it was a similar situation, not a scholarship, but a fellowship mm-hmm. to where, you know, it's paid for. And, you know, so it was it was a good opportunity. That's dope. And that's what kind of led me to Southern Illinois. And then what in any, any like, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you learned a ton, but in terms of, like, guiding 
how you'd approach integrating yourself into the music scene. Mm-hmm. Any 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 like monumental changes there at Southern Illinois? Well, um, I feel that Southern Illinois was the first chance. I mean, because at this at this time, I'm still kind of living in these two different worlds, yeah. which is this scholastic world, mm-hmm. universal world of studying classical music, mm-hmm. and then going home. Making beats, straight writing to, raps, straight to the shit. Trying yeah. to do shows, doing you know, it was like two different worlds. So yeah. Even as Xavier, as much as I was heavy and heavy practicing piano, mm-hmm. I never saw. I never thought like I could be rapping while I'm sitting at the piano. You never that that, that didn't not, cross your mind. Not, not at that point. Wow. It was it was just it was just two different things. Yeah. I would use my piano skills to produce. Yeah. But I would never be like, I had never performed. Like being a rapper on the piano, like wow! It was just, it was, just, it was, a, it hadn't crossed my mind yet. Yeah. When I got to Southern Illinois, I linked up with some cats, and um, you know, we it was a crew of rappers that kind of from Chicago that kind of like adopted me. Mm-hmm. Like, it was called Five G, and um, you know, these cats were just they was just all super raw, like yeah. super creative, super on some next level, you know, shit. You know, Chicago cats is really like I said earlier to have. A lot of dope influences, yeah. you know, from the streets to the to the religion to yeah. the to the to the scholastic world, yeah. and just Chicago, just being that city that it is. Yeah, you know? we always think of L.A., New York, but Chicago, no, Chicago is, is exactly is right up there with it. So yeah. as far as culture and just Im- impact, yeah, yeah. So being around hella Chicago cats and um, you know rapping with them, doing songs with them, um, and then um, just. Uh, some homies formed like a live band, a live hip hop band, mm-hmm. and um, which is something I had never been a part of mm-hmm. at that point. I, I had been in jazz bands or jazz trios, but not a hip hop band. But not a hip hop band. So yeah. um, it was called Andromeda Sequence, and um, you know we did this show one time, and um, you know during rehearsal, you know we were rehearsing the songs, and then um, and we was playing this one thing, and I was like, "Yo, let me." And I was just the keyboard player. Mm-hmm. I was playing key. And I was like, yo, um, let me spit a verse on this one. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that'd be dope. So I was like, yeah, so you could be playing the keys, and then we want you to just like kind of jump up and be like a surprise, like, because ain't nobody going to expect the keyboard player to just jump up. And so it was almost like, it, it reminded me, I don't know if you saw that movie, um, Breaking. Oh yeah, when uh you know they was they was doing the battle. It was a two two on two, mm-hmm. and then they they brought out the female like kind of <laughs> out the out the cut, yeah. know, like the shock to everybody. Like, what does she do? How she know how to break? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But um, that kind of brought me up as a surprise, and that was the first time I had did a show where I would like play the keys and then started flowing, and everybody was like, oh shit, that's crazy. So then, then I kind of just see like, okay, well maybe I can try to incorporate the, the incorporate two worlds this more. But still not really um, doing it on my own. I came back home, started kind of just grinding on the scene, like yeah. playing at any little spot I could play at. And um, I got called for a gig one time, and, the, and my homie was like, yo, I want you to come do this gig, but I want you to play keys and rap. I'm like, really? Like, you want me? And it was like a jazz club. Yeah. He was like, yeah, we're going to try something. We, we would always incorporate hip-hop music instrumentally but like being able to to do rap and play keys at the same time it was something i was just starting to do so yeah and that's kind of how i started like trying to integrate it together wow yeah. when you when you when you came back home when you yeah. came when it all came back full circle mm-hmm. you're able to put it all together mm-hmm. and and would you i don't know because now like 
seeing you now, I would never even guess that that was like a, you know, that was a thing where you were trying to figure out how to balance the two because it, it seems so seamless and it makes right. all the sense in the world. But there's just you that can do it. Like right. there's, I'm, there's a few other, but like it's in terms of integrating classical music mm-hmm. is like, it's mind blowing because it's so, um, it's so sophisticated and it's so rich. Mm-hmm. But then that just, raw, that yeah. was raw ingredients to it. No, I don't know, man. It just makes for a, um, a unique experience, you know, and and, I, and 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 everything being so, you know, everything being so related and everything being right. so familiar and that whole concept of nothing being new under the sun. It's a new experience when you go right. see a Kev Choice show, you know. Nah, thank you, man. And I think, you know, I feel like for me, like, you know, just, you know, classical music and hip hop are, are alike and different in so many, but they're both very tradition oriented, like, mm-hmm this is what classical music is. And if you're doing something else, even jazz too, like a lot of jazz purists mm-hmm. can be like, this is jazz. And if that ain't, if it don't yeah, sound ain't like that, this, it ain't jazz. It ain't jazz. <laughs> or, or this is hip hop. And if it ain't hip hop, then, it, then nah, this shit is whack. Yeah. So I think I was really, you know, I was guilty of trying to play the line of the tradition of yeah. each. I was yeah. like, I could, even though I would be playing my classical music with a bop, mm-hmm. or even though I would, be incorporating little classical riffs in my hip hop, mm-hmm. like trying to figure out how to bring it together, you know, genuinely and authentically. I yeah. think that was always my uh, my challenge in the beginning, yeah. and that's why I kind of like it took me a while to even see like, okay, well, how can I how can I bring these two worlds together, or mm-hmm. would it how would it even sound, or yeah. what, how would it how would it fit? But once I did, it was like, oh, duh, <laughs> it was like, okay, yeah, this is. This is how you can make it work. And especially once I started doing my live shows. Yeah. Like, you know, trying to... And at first, you know, I, it was a lot of... It was, I, there was a lot of hip-hop live bands kind of early on, you know. Um, and it wasn't like I was really influenced by that. Like, of course, you know, you had The Roots, which mm-hmm. was really the only... The, the only yeah. consistent standing, yeah. <laughs> like, real, yeah. And even their, their approach was really, um, you know, a jazzier. Mm-hmm. So it was more like a jazz soul approach mm. and um but the MC wasn't one of the musicians yeah. he was an MC and they yeah. had the band around him exactly. so it was like an MC being supported by a man and then you know you had a um, so just just seeing that influence was like okay that's that's dope how they put that together so yeah. how can I do that in my own context and you know be musical in my own way so even my early shows I would I definitely wanted to keep it hip hop is the foundation of this this is not a classical musician doing hip hop. This is a hip hop musician who's doing all these other yeah, things. things yeah. So I wanted to keep the 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 edge of hip hop, the um, the just the the energy yeah. of the of a stage. So you because you go to a classical show, it's very sit back, watch formal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wanted the energy, even if we was going off into some classical shit. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be like with a certain edge. Yeah, and you know, um, so my early ensembles, like yeah, we would be. You know, we would be doing all these. I always wanted to show the flow too, mm-hmm. like a almost like a symphony. A symphony mm-hmm. has movements. Yeah, you know, they got a slow movement, fast movement. You know, different tempo changes, all kind of just my transitions, modulations. Yeah. So I wanted my hip hop shows to flow like that, to where it seemed like it's like it's almost like you're going on a journey. Composed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a journey. It's yeah. like thorough composed. What they say, like where it just it don't stop. It just flow. It just move to the next. Things relate thematically all that type of shit yeah. so integrating even if we integrate different songs or different genres 
it still just flows in a certain way. So, man. So that was that was really my the main way I would try to bring classical into the hip hop shit. Not really just sitting and playing hella classical yeah. shit, but like the way it was composed and thought out and mm-hmm. structured. You know what I'm saying? So, and it's it took a while, but I feel like when I first when I got my first band, Kev Choice Ensemble, mm-hmm. we was doing my music yeah. really. It just all started to make sense. So figuring it out, and then uh-huh. how much? How much of that um, sort of uh, guides you? You know, you you educating now too. Like how? Like what? Um, did you all? Did you know you that is that would be such an integral part of it all? Well, the education aspect of it. Um, you know, number one, going to a university, going to college. You know, it's it's always in your mind, like you know, you're you're around great teachers. You mm-hmm. have many great professors who influence you, and I always and they always instill to you, especially going to a black college. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you you know, we we pass our knowledge on to the next generation. Yeah, and um, so I had some great teachers. I had great, you know, examples of how to be, you know, and people that and teachers that basically changed my life. Just like my first piano teacher like mm-hmm. without her I don't know if I'll be on this path because she saw a talent in me and she's like okay well this is what you should do you need to do this and kind of just kept me on put me on that was the first steps mm-hmm. that led me to so many other steps or even my my master's degree teacher or my teacher in um in undergrad like so I always you know felt like it was important to to be an example for somebody else absolutely I never really thought it would be a it was never my goal to be like a career goal, like mm-hmm. I'm gonna be a teacher. It was a part of what I. It'll. I always wanted it to be a part of what I wanted. Absolutely. To and um, really, eventually, starting my own school is kind of really the own goal. Damn man. You know, like a school, an academy. Yeah. Not something where I need to be sitting there every day, but yeah. just something that I can set in place and have yeah. as an example or a place where people can go learn music, culture, whatever. Yeah. So that's definitely always been one of the goals. That's dope, man. And um. When I got back from um, when I got back from grad school, coming around Oakland, you know, you, as a musician, you're trying to find ways to survive any yes. way you can. Yeah. And um, I met, I had a mentor named Khalil Shahid. He had a program, Oak Town Jazz Workshop. Mm. You know, just from doing little jam sessions and gigs, he was like, you know, you need to come down. You know, you you should be working with the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was like, so I would come down workshops once a week and just you know teach the kids. We just playing jazz standards, <laughs> and um. And he, so he kind of like brought me into that, like it's a circle, just like anything, like the educators, you know, he's a black educator. And, you know, from doing Oaktail Jazz Workshop, it just led to doing other things, yeah. other little programs. And um, eventually, you know, working in the Oakland Public Schools here and there, never really just full time. You know, mm-hmm. I never really wanted to be like a full time teacher. Even now, I'm not really full time. It's mm-hmm. like every day, but it's not like, Eight to five, or yeah, nine to five type yeah. shit. You know, it's like in the afternoon or whatever. Yeah. So it's. I feel like as a as a musician, that's number one. It's a way to 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 provide and also a way to give back. Yeah. And you know, to and to continue that legacy and to, and to connect with the youth. Man, dude, I um, and the 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 whole again the premise of this show is to is to highlight you know the uh, you know the service that that artists that art that artists are on that journey for you know i think a lot of people misconstrue it and and even some of the people that are doing it are kind of in it for the wrong reasons sort of these self-fulfilling uh 
things that are so ridden with ego, but mm. everything about your journey and and what in in this conversation is lended towards you know giving, you know, really, really, really sharing in this experience and trying to connect these worlds. And um, it, I, I, I know I, I speculated and kind of formed that on my own, but it's through, you know, it's through the albums and through the music and through the music and getting to know you a little bit. But I really, it really, really is dope to hear that, you know, the linear story and how it all makes so much sense now and talk about present day mm-hmm. and, if you if you you know if you feel like recapping it you know you just did your symphony like what was what was that like the symphony wow i mean it was yeah to say it was a culmination of everything mm-hmm. that i've been you know learning you know experiencing as a performer as an artist as a musician i mean number one to perform something that i composed um with a group of that many not just musicians, but incredible musicians. Exactly. I mean, you know, you got a full orchestra with just like 60 <laughs> musicians in itself. And then, you know, having my, my band members and mm-hmm. then having a a 30-piece, a you know, choir, OSA choir. Wow. And um, it's still, I'm still like mind-boggled. My mind is still Still trying to process that. it a little bit, yeah. Like, you know, because I had been working on that, you know, for like maybe, you know, four or five months. Wow. Like, which really isn't long. I should have been working on it much <laughs> earlier than that. Like mm-hmm. I, I found out about the opportunity maybe about a year ago, mm-hmm. you know, just from meeting Michael Morgan. And, you know, he was like, well, yeah, let's, I would love to do something with you. Like I've heard about you and I want to do something, man. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. And, you know, he had the 70 people hit me. And they're like, yeah, we're going to give you a commission to write a piece and you could just, yeah, and it's going to be done. And I'm like, wow. wow. Okay. So I'm performing <laughs> with the Oakland symphony. And then and when I got the opportunity, I knew it would be the biggest thing I'd ever done. I'm yeah. like, this is the symphony. And as and as good as I was as a musician or as a pianist at an early age, you know, they told me, like, you know, you'll never be a concert pianist. Because hmm. a concert pianist, like, they're literally trained from, like, six, five years old in conservatories in Russia or or Hungary or, and they you said know, or never Europe do it. Wow. Or, um, or the U.S. And I understand the classical... The level of classical concert pianist is a level that's just is just on a whole another mm. whole another space. And not that I couldn't do some of that repertoire, but yeah, there's certain things that those pianists do that I couldn't do. But the fact that I've been able to create my own lane, through, yes, you know, having a number one a good reputation. I tell my students all the time, like you think it's not just about your talent; it's about your reputation. Yeah, one hundred and and how you connect with people. For someone like a Michael Morgan, who's the conductor of Oakland Symphony to mm-hmm. just meet me, not even really, probably don't even really know my music like that well. Like yeah. probably never really been to my shows or listen yeah. to my albums. Yeah. But because of hearing about me through many different, you know, avenues, mm-hmm. like you know what, he wanted to do something with an Oakland artist with the Oakland Symphony yeah. that was outside of the classical um, lane, and and that's and he gave me that opportunity. So it was like. <laughs> It was it was big. It was big. I mean, and, and the fact that it and it and it was it was a struggle. It wasn't a struggle, but it was definitely a a, a difficult process trying to get it, trying to represent what I wanted to do, trying mm. to find the concept, yeah. trying to find how I'm gonna orchestrate this, how how long is it gonna be, mm. how many instruments, how many, all of these things, mm. and then also not really knowing how it was really gonna sound until three days before the show. Wow. 
it's just an eye just a, a, an imagine <laughs> your a, a vision you know yeah, imagination so, yeah you know, of course nowadays you can create you know back in the day mozart was writing shit on paper <laughs> nowadays you know we can play things in yeah. the computers we can see the score we can hear it yeah the you know the mock version or the or what it was you know I saw so I, I knew what it would sound like but you don't really know really know what no, it would sound until like you get until in a you, room rehearsal you yeah. know so but I mean but everything and it was just leading up to it was like you know getting getting all the music printed it was like a thousand sheets of music Damn. for all of the instruments Damn. a thousand sheets of music <laughs> it's almost like writing a book it's almost like writing a novel yeah but a musical novel like a five piece suite for for a symphony so. Yeah. You know, in in my first time doing it, you know, I've I've written stuff for you know maybe some strings in the studio, like, you know, <laughs> two strings, cello, yeah. bass, you know, different instruments, flutes, but you know, to get it, to get as extensive and, and intricate as you know writing for bassoon or clarinet, damn man, first violin, second violin, viola, like all of these, but it was it was definitely a good learning process, and yeah. I definitely feel like I'm still a student. Once you go to school, I feel like people. Some people don't feel like school is valuable yeah. to them, but I've always wanted to be a student, like learn more, even back from elementary, yeah. junior high, like I've always wanted to learn more. So this was just another process where I was able to learn, learn how to do something. And I mean, I almost had to teach myself, but you know, I know how to go look look up books. I know how to go yeah. on YouTube and look up the great conductors, mm -hmm. the great composers, the great symphonies from the Mahlers to the Beethovens mm -hmm. to the Rachmaninoff and just, just, just try to catch the vibe and see how I can. Not trying to create what they created because mm. those, they, they're who they are. They're the, 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 the master, masterful workers they are. But trying to do it in my own way. Trying to and also trying to again, make hip hop be the, the basis the of it. Point. Man, Kev, um, I, I really, really wanted to do this and, and, uh, you know, and and have this conversation and document it and mm. and. And highlight a lot of the points that you touched on, man. So, oh. I just want to, on behalf of the whole Bay, thank you for, for you know, for representing us in in such a dope way and 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 teaching us so much in the process too. So, oh, it's, uh, it's it's dope, man. And I'm 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 grateful to you know for for you taking the time and sitting down. And you know, I'm, I'm continuing to push. And you know, you know how it is as an artist. Yeah. You do one thing, and it's like, okay, what are you going to do next? <laughs> next. <laughs> And sometimes, you know, in my mind, I'm like, man, I would love to just sit back and just revel in the energy in the moment. But it's like, that's that's what a living being is. Absolutely. Something that's always growing, something that's always in the process and mm -hmm. trying to trying to get to that next level. So I'm, I'm definitely appreciative of all the stuff I've been able to do and, mm -hmm. and looking forward to doing more. Yes, know, sir. Pushing forward. It's Kev Choice, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> And that was my combo with Kev Choice, man. Thank you guys for always tuning in. This is Meet the Brave. I'm your host, Monty Draper. We'll see you next week.